Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's great to have you here. This is our fifth service for today. So I just wanted to thank our worship band and our choir who've been here since eight o'clock this morning. And our our tech arts team who work in front and behind the scenes. So we thank the Lord for you guys. Thank you for making this happen. And thank you for being here as we celebrate the significance of what the birth of Jesus is all about. As Luke tells the story in Luke chapter 2, he starts with a a, a decree by Caesar Augustus. And it was that the whole world would be registered. And so you get this picture right at the center of, of civilization, the Roman Empire, right in Rome. He makes this declaration. And then, then Luke kind of draws the spotlight on this obscure couple named Mary and Joseph at an obscure place, Bethlehem, the city of David. And, and it share, he shares this story. While, while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so even left out, left out of the center of the world, on the sidelines, in the margins, Jesus is born. And the significance of this, which Luke shares, is that God became flesh, and he lived and was born for us. He would live for us, he would die for us, and he would rise again for us. God in a manger, literally a feeding trough for animals. And then Luke takes the spotlight and he points outside of Bethlehem to shepherds, watching and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they did what we do. We'd freak out, right? They were terrified. But the angel, angel said to them, fear not, for behold. That word behold is kind of a Bible word, and it, it, means, it means not just to know it but to get our minds around it so that it would change us and we would live in the reality of this. Behold. In other words, listen up. This is what this means. He said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Quite simply, if you want to know what Christmas is all about and the birth of Christ is all about, it's the birth of Christ is good news of great joy for all people. Three phrases that summarize the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. One that we, if we could behold, our lives would be different. So with that, let's go through each phrase and try to get our minds around this so that we can behold it. The first one is the birth of Christ is good news. When you think about the amount of news that you have and news that you consume in a day, did you realize the average American consumes 72 minutes, an average of 72 minutes of news a day? Now, certainly that's not reading a paper, and that's not just watching the news on television. That's that's, uh, opening up your social media and checking on the news going around you or news locally or news globally. We are consumers of news. And depending on the type of news you like, there's an algorithm out there just to feed you more in your news feed, the type of news and the type of information you want to consume. It just gives you more of what you like to hear. And therefore, when someone says, I have good news for you, when I have good news for you, there's some skepticism. There might even be some cynicism of, is this good news for everyone? Like, if you were to get a job market report right now in the U.S. economy, it's looking good, looking strong. But the bad news is with that is it, 
impresses, you know, inflationary issues, and so our Fed increases interest rates. If your income goes up, there's the bad news of, oh my goodness, I'm at a higher tax right now to pay more taxes. Some of us get, we get upgrades, but our wives and kids have to go and coach, right? Some of us also have that picture of winning it in the lotto and having this windfall of cash. But then those who had that happen have the bad news of people wanting what you have and no longer respecting you for who you are. Then there's those of us who have been healed this year uh, due to medical advances, but then there's always bills that come due. Some of us even moved out of our parents' homes only to realize we have rent due. In the first service, I had um, a father in the front row go, amen, when I said moved out of our father's home, and the son kind of just did one of these. Well, whatever it is, when you come to good news, we come to this story, and it is good news for all. Why is this good news? There's no other shoe to drop. There's no other issue that could make this bad news. And here's what the angel said. I bring you good news. And look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Where were they? They were right outside of Bethlehem, the city of David. Who they were? They were people in the margins, shepherds. They weren't, most, they weren't the most dignified group of people. And yet heaven's messenger came to tell them, look, this is good news. It's good news for you. Unto you is born today. That's a personal, a personal declaration. Now, as they said this, as they said this, they were brought into the story of God. Think about what an angel were, messenger from God, literally a reporter from God. And after the angel told them, go and find this child, it'll be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. What happens? Suddenly a heavenly host of angels gather around and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. My old King James Version Bible says, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. In other words, God is pleased to have his son born on this earth. And he is a God who's extending his grace. This is good news. It's good news preached amongst the bad news of our lives. It's the good news that a savior has been born personally for us. And so what did they do to this news? They obeyed. They responded. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste. In other words, they ran. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This news they actually beheld. Here are the first eyewitnesses of the great revelation of God, of who he is by bringing forth the birth of his son. For unto you is born this day. This, my friends, It's good news. It's good news. And over the course of this year, I just wonder how many of us have had devastating news that we needed good news. I had some devastating news. As you, many of you know, my father, Jim Hishma on the right there, was diagnosed in late July with cancer. And we thought it was cancer that would be treated well. And so he went to under chemotherapy, and his body did not respond to that. And two months after diagnosis, he passed. He passed on September 1st. This is my first Christmas without my dad, first in 57 years. Never would have thought I would have a year where I'd hear bad news about my dad. But I have the good news of Jesus. 
I'm not saying that it was easy, and I'm not saying that I didn't cry or mourn or still going through a mourning process. But unto me was born that day Jesus, who not only was born for me, but lived for me and died for me and rose again for me. And I hung on. I remember just standing over my father's body after he passed and holding hands with my wife and my, and my mother, and we're saying, he's not here. He's risen. He's with the Lord. We could claim the good news of Jesus at our worst moment because it's good news. And it's good news without a second foot to drop. It's good news. It was good news then. It's good news now. Secondly, it's great joy. It's great joy. Look at, again, what it says. I bring you good news of great joy. And look at this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Why do you have great joy? Look at that. A savior. A savior. That's the picture that we have at the birth of Christ. Who was this Christ? Was he like every other baby or was he God's help, God's savior for us? Christians believe that the baby in the manger was our salvation from God. Now, in the picture of of the first century world and their view for a savior, it had two components. The first part of a, a savior is that they would rescue you out of something terrible and destructive. But at the same time, as they rescued you out, they would deliver you into something incredibly beautiful and great. And so as, as a savior came into them, they were looking for salvation, not just from their sins, but under the Roman tyranny, the typical Jewish mind looked for a savior. And these shepherds, to these shepherds, the angel announced a savior has come. This was the long expected Messiah, the anointed one who would save us from our sin and deliver us into the kingdom of God. On a typical illustration, when you think about Savior, if you could imagine you're drowning and someone enters your world and rescues you out of danger and into safety. But it's not just for the big things in life that Jesus is our Savior. There's also, there's also our looking, our seeking for joy in difficulty when things don't make sense, when things are tough, like this week in Topeka negative zero. Some of us went out to get our mail and we came back looking like this, right? Because it blows that wind. And I just remember how many, there's that, in, there's that thought in me when this happens and I don't like it. I just, I wonder how many of us thought of a vacation, right? Because we look for something to deliver us out of, out of the cold and deliver us into something pleasant. But then there's also, how, why do we compete so much? There's joy in competition, in winning. There's joy in checking our fantasy football. And guys, don't do it now, okay? You're in church. But it's that angle of where am I? And when we win, there's that great joy to that. And when we don't look for it in things or people, we can look to be our own personal saviors. Humanity without God is an attempt to be your own personal savior. When you bring that into religion, it's you being good enough because your good deeds can outweigh your bad deeds. It's at least the myth that you can be your own personal savior. But the reality to that is we can't measure up to our own expectations, let alone the other expectations that are placed on us. We can't, those things that we put our joy in, that we seek our joy can be crushing, whether it's a person or whether it's a child or whether it's 
a relationship, or whether it's a thing. Even things are fickle and fleeting when we look to them to find our joy. This is one of my favorite images of 2022. It's that image of something. We want that in our lives. But then when we real, realize the, the reality behind us of what's happening, it's not turning out the way we want to. And that guy is open for a huge awakening. Joy. Joy is something we are hardwired to seek. And can I just suggest to you that God has planted that desire for joy to ultimately be found in him. I've chased it in other things apart from God. They just can't produce it. And so we're called that when we seek things that have joy, to not just settle for those things that give us joy, but to use those things and the joy they give us to seek a greater joy. This is a great joy. In other words, the greatest joy in life is that a Savior has been born for you. So I've, I remember this year as I've gone through difficulty, I've had a friend who just said, keep a joy journal, the things that happened in your day that brought you joy, and just write down and reflect on them. So I did, and my wife made the list. Cheryl and I have been married 30 years. She brings me great joy. But then there's also my family. We had great joy cheering for the Green Bay Packers. Now, this picture, this picture, I'm sorry, Chiefs fans in Chiefs Kingdom. This picture was taken just before they lost to the San Francisco 49ers last year, okay? So although we didn't have joy in the Green Bay Packers, we had joy that we were together and enjoyed that time. And then on April 20th, 2022, my first granddaughter was born, Magdalene Grace. She has brought me joy, Picture after picture, can you tell that I am just in joy, this little girl? (laughs) She's brought joy to our family in a difficult year. But you know what? This joy that I experience, whether it's a new granddaughter or whether it's my wife or with my family, I've even been joyful with you, my church, and the friendships we have and I have here and the joy it is to be with you when we're together. But all of this shows me the greatest joy, the joy of Jesus that we center around when we realize that for us, a child was born, right? And this child would be our savior. It's great joy. It's good news. It's good news. I read an article on... Um, and, and this man, Isaac Watts, who was a pastor and a theologian and a hymn writer in England around the late 1600s into the early 1700s. And uh, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't in the Anglican church, but he was, he was a pastor in a church in, in London. And he would always try to take Old Testament passages and look how they ultimately were fulfilled and brought to joy through the person of Jesus. And so as he read Old Testament passages, he would say, but look, this has happened, or this will about to ha- be about to happen when Christ returns. One of those things, passages that he read was Psalm 98. Psalm 98 star- starts out, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done marvelous things. He said, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. 
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break into joyous song and sing praises. And he pointed that as this was revealed in the Old Testament, that this pointed to an ultimate time. Not the first coming of Christ when he was born, but actually the second coming of Christ. When he comes and he restores all the things that are broken, he makes all things that are wrong right again. And so we look forward to this. And with that, he wrote this hymn, Joy to the World. We just sang it. It's a popular, one of the most popular Christmas songs, but it was actually made not just for the first coming, but for the second coming of Christ. And he brought the church joy for years. I want to sing it, but I don't want to sing it alone. I want to sing it with you. So I'm going to start, and don't leave me hanging, okay? (laughs) All right. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Okay, all of you need to be in our choir. You do. That brings joy when we sing that. What's one of the reasons we sing? We don't just stand there and watch. We sing, right? Because it expresses joy in Christ. Because joy has come. Good news of a great joy. And then this final picture is for all people. I know it sounds a little bit arrogant if you're not a person of faith that Christianity would have the bold claim that this good news of great joy would be for all people. And I get that. I get a lot of pushback when I talk about good news and great joy in our secular culture. But from its first day of being preached, it has been a great invitation of God, specifically through the person of Christ, but inclusively to whoever will believe on him. That's the gospel message. It's to whosoever will believe in Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. Look at this. It says that it will be for all people. And then look at the end of uh, of verse 11. It says that the Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. Remember how I said that Luke chapter 2 begins with that, with that decree from Caesar Augustus to all the world. Do you know that Caesar thought himself as deity? He was the God on earth that represented all the pantheon of Greek gods. And so he demanded for every Roman citizen and everyone who would do business with Rome that they declared him Lord. Caesar is Lord. Now, the New Testament church, when Christ rose from the dead, everyone started proclaiming him Christos Kyrios, which literally means Christ is Lord. And this came to be its first challenge, is is that he would literally persecute those who would not call him Lord. And the New Testament church obeyed his laws, but would not worship him, because they thought and believed that only Jesus is Lord. And so that rallying cry for the church confronted the rallying cry of the Roman Empire and Christians lost. They were persecuted. Many of them were martyred because they refused to make Caesar Lord of their lives. And they did this making 
in the, in the name of Jesus as Christ is Lord. And they felt that since Christ was over all, that he should be Christ for all. And they advanced the gospel to the, to the end of the earth in their generation because they simply believed that this child who was born and lived and died and rose again was truly the Lord and Savior of the world. Everyone needed to hear this message. That's what we see the shepherds doing. We see them liberated from this just being a message about them. And the church is liberated from it just being about us. So many people believe Jesus is about just project me. He makes me the best I can possibly be. Folks, folks, that's, that's limiting of the gospel. Certainly God has changed my life, but he's not just for me. He's for whosoever would believe. When the shepherds heard this and they got their mind around this great invitation of God brought through them by this baby, look what they do. They saw it, and they made known the saying of what has been told them concerning this child. They said, this has been a savior, and he's for us. He's for you too. They extended this invitation from God. And look what it says the people did, verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. If I were writing the Bible, I'd go, and everyone believed it because they believed it. And no, they didn't. They just go, I wonder what this means. There was still confusion. But they preached it with confidence because they believed it. And we have no guarantee that people will believe this message, that it's good news of great joy for all people. Because our world is very individualized. Our world says things need to work for me. I'm my personal savior, or I'd rather do it without faith. And when we come to Christ, he teaches us a new way, a way that he does the work for us. He lives, dies, and resurrects for us. It's good news. You don't have to keep trying. You can start trusting. It's great joy. He's the center of the universe, and he can be the center of our lives. He's for all people. It's not just for a certain group of people with a certain income who speak a certain way and vote a certain way. It blasts through to the ends of the earth. It's for all nations, all people everywhere, from his birth to his life to his resurrection. It's been good news that brings great joy for all people. He's Christ the Lord. If you forget everything else I've said, don't forget why Christians celebrate Christmas. Because they believe, we believe, it's good news of great joy for all people. And since we have this news, we need to be people who are always not just living it and receiving it and living it to ourselves, but giving it to others. We ought to bring good news in a world that's broken with bad news. So this year, we've connected to the news as it's been fed to us. And we as a church have tried to respond in some small way so we aren't just looking at news and observing the bad news we can do nothing about. We have found that there's usually someone in church our sides connected to every tragedy in our country. And sure enough, we had people in the insurance industry go down and look at Hurricane Ian and tell us it's bad. Before it even hit, though, we partnered with Convoy of Hope who brought essential items, water and things for people who didn't have water or electricity and just met needs. Why? Because amidst the bad news of this world, we can bring in good news in practical ways that hopefully will be a platform to show the greater news, the greater joy of Jesus. Earlier in the year when the Ukrainian war happened and we, we see just the devastation and it 
cuts to our hearts about this nation. I visited there back in 1999 and saw a, a country that was just liberated uh, in, into a democracy. And to, to know that even some of the towns I visited are no longer there. It broke my heart. And then you saw the people, just the millions of people displaced because of war. And then we saw those that God put right here in Topeka. How are we good news? How do we bring joy? How do we talk about being a church for all people if the people that God has placed in front of us are not cared for? And so God worked in our heart and brought us to a a point where we can give generously to come alongside families. And some of us will give money, others of us will give time, but we'll represent them in the whole bureaucracy of government red tape so that they can be welcomed here in Topeka. And, And more families are coming as God provides resources for us to do this. Again, Jesus is good news of great joy. For all people. This is the gospel message. And it changes us individually. And it transforms our world. If we'll be light. And we give it to others. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to light candles. And we do this every year. And it's a, it's a great moment. Just to watch the gospel message. In a illustrative way. As I light one candle. It's going to reflect that Christ was born in the city of David, a savior. Uh, John describes the birth of Jesus as light coming into darkness. And so as my candle is lit, I want you to think about that one light that came into this world and pierced the darkness. And as that light moves from others, that's a whole picture that people then started seeing. This is good news. It brought great joy. And it was for all people. And ultimately, we're going to light up this entire room with a picture of what happens when it just moves from one life to the next. And we'll worship. And we'll sing Silent Night. Now, we have a lot of really little hands in the room. And I'm so thankful we've got little kids here. But parents... Please keep this a celebration, not a crisis, okay? And just keep your eye out. You might want to hold the hand with that just so we don't have a major emergency here, okay? It'll ruin the whole ambiance of what we're about to do. Okay, I'll pray, and then we'll celebrate like this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good news. It's good news wherever we're at. It's good news no matter what the worst news we've heard this year. It's good news because it puts everything into perspective. We're not alone. You've come for us. You're with us. And you've promised to be our Savior. And so you lived for us. You died for us. You rose again. You have brought us joy. So that, as Peter says, even though we haven't seen you, we love you. Even though we don't see you now, we believe in you. And we're filled with an inexpressible joy as we look forward to the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And we thank you for that. This is a message for all people. It's not just for us. So free us from arrogance and self-righteousness that keeps us to ourself. Let us be generous with the gospel that we would live it and give it to others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.